Do you know Brave by Sarah Bareilles? I asked 10-year-old Anthony in a piano lesson one week. Yeah, he said. Well, I recently read that Brave and Roar by Katy Perry have a lot of things in common. What do you think? Huh. Never really thought about it, he said. We listened to both songs a few times and made a list of musical characteristics on the whiteboard. I let Anthony take the lead on what we were listening for. Accompaniment style, key, tempo, vocal register, and contour. Stepping in to guide the conversation as needed. Anthony sat at a keyboard in the room, picking out parts of the melody or accompaniment as he listened. What about the bass line, I asked. Anthony played along with the recording for Roar, a piece he was learning on his own, and together we picked out the first part of Brave while listening. We stepped back to look at the board. Wow, they're basically the same song, Anthony said. Now, I have a question for all of you listening. Is this an example of formal or informal learning? Or is it both? The context was certainly formal. We were in a school classroom having a private one-to-one piano lesson. But the genre and learning style were definitely informal, working on popular music and learning by ear. The learning was intentional. There was an end goal. But the ownership of the experience was something that we shared. We both contributed ideas. I didn't go into that lesson with my mind already made up. That brings us to an interesting question to ask in our teaching. What makes learning formal or informal? And can it be both? How can we balance formal and informal learning in music education? Often, formal and informal learning are presented as a dichotomy. Formal learning is learning that happens with a teacher in a structured environment, and informal learning is learning that takes place out in the world, between peers or things that students just learn on their own. In music, genre is often wrapped up in these distinctions. To generalize, classical music and sometimes jazz are taught and experienced in formal situations like schools, lessons, community ensembles, and pop, rock, and everything else are experienced in informal contexts, at home, in the car, with friends, in the garage band. I want to pose this question. As music educators, can we reach a place where music learning transcends genre? Where the process, the act of making and creating music, is more important than the product? Researcher and music educator Randall Alsup concluded that the value of music learning is not in the repertoire introduced or the style of music created. He wrote, quote, For the purposes of education, the location of value is found in experience. End quote. This is a negotiated space, a place between formal and informal teaching and learning, where intentional meets incidental where power and ownership are shared by you as the teacher and your students. Going back to the story I shared at the beginning, the learning and musical experience that took place seemed to cross the boundaries of formal and informal learning. The musical experience had formal and informal elements. Perhaps formal and informal are not separate and distinct, but in fact part of the same continuum. 
maybe we can have both. That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm Ashley Danu, and you're listening to Field Notes on Music Teaching and Learning. Writing field notes is a way of documenting and processing what we see in the world. This podcast is a collection of creative ideas, practical strategies, and thoughtful observations from the field of music teaching and learning. Here, you'll find creative and pedagogically sound teaching tips, fresh new approaches you can use in your teaching, and insight into a few tried and true systems and creative processes designed to help you do your best work. Let's get started. Researchers agree that the true nature of formal and informal learning is more complex than what a dichotomy can represent. The lines are blurred. There's more interaction and blending of the two forms of learning. Educator and researcher Lucy Green has written a lot about this. She explored ways to incorporate informal learning into a formal music classroom in England. One strategy was introducing oral learning with music from the classical repertory, works that were largely unfamiliar to the students. Students worked in groups, quote, listening, discussing features of the music, focusing firstly on delineations, then intersonic meanings, choosing a piece, then beginning to select instruments, playing along with rhythms, and starting to search for pitches, end quote. The majority of students, ages 13 to 14, found the informal approach to learning classical music, quote, more effective and more enjoyable than the normal curriculum. End quote. Green concluded that the things students found unhelpful about the normal curriculum were, quote, not so much to do with curriculum content as with pedagogy, end quote. One of the teachers in the study described the following scene, quote, I encouraged Dylan to work out the notes for the Strauss on the guitar, and him and Tom on the drums immediately started playing together. I showed Craig and Ian the basic notes on the keyboard, and Trevor where C was on the bass guitar, and then left them. When we came back to hear them perform, in the space of 10 minutes, they had put together their own rocked-up version of the Strauss, and their enthusiasm had completely shifted to, this is cool. After the lesson, Tom said, that was the most amount of work we have done in a lesson so far, and we did it all by ourselves. End quote. In negotiated spaces like this, teachers take on the dual role of teacher-facilitator, as I talked about in episode 42, posing musical challenges, moderating dialogue, and asking questions that encourage careful thought and reflection. We can craft beautiful philosophies of teaching and learning and transcribe pedagogical approaches into prosaic formulae, but Randall also challenged, quote, I wonder if what we are doing musically will remain sufficiently compelling to future generations, end quote. How can we create shared, negotiated spaces that balance formal and informal learning? In episode 42, I mentioned the experiential learning theory, ELT, which was developed by David Kolb in 1984. I applied this theory to music education for my dissertation research, it's rooted in constructivist theory, so the idea that learners build on their previous knowledge to construct new learning. 
And it's also informed by the work of John Dewey, Kurt Lewin, and Jean Piaget. The experiential learning cycle is based on two intersecting continuums. One is active to reflective, and the other is concrete to abstract. The continuums cross the model from side to side and top to bottom in a dynamic, negotiated exchange between the teacher and student that then facilitates movement around the outside of the circle. I think ELT offers a useful framework for studying the relationship between formal and informal learning. As you create a democratic, shared space for music teaching and learning with your students, you're negotiating that continuum between informal, something that's called concrete experience in the ELT model, and the formal, which is called abstract conceptualization. The popular concept of scaffolding, coined by psychologist Lev Vygotsky, can also be a helpful metaphor for balancing formal and informal learning. But Randall also cautioned, quote, scaffolding carries with it the potential for power imbalances. The expert may be unaware that he is leading student learners to explore concepts or techniques with which he is comfortable or familiar. There must exist creative tension around the cultural foundation of a student artwork and the scaffold upon which an outside learning task is built, end quote. That creative tension that he's talking about is the give and take between you as the teacher and your student as you balance both ELT continuums, the concrete and abstract, and the active and reflective, and co-create a dynamic, flexible, negotiated space for learning. John Dewey, in 1916, noted that the goal of education is to balance the, quote, informal and the formal the incidental, and the intentional, end quote. How is this balance achieved? What does it look like? Here are 10 practical suggestions drawn from the research literature for how to balance formal and informal learning in a traditional music curriculum. Number one is to improvise. Invite your students to improvise interval patterns, sing in parts, or create rhythm patterns in a variety of meters. These short activities promote interaction, experimentation, and autonomy while developing confidence and building trust. Number two, listen. Ask students to bring in a musical recording, any genre or style. Listen to the recording and ask your student to create a listening map of key musical events discuss this together. Number three, learn from recordings. Listen to a recording of a piece that you're learning as an ensemble. Invite your students to listen to the music they're learning to play or something in a similar style. This will help them get a sense of the musical style and characteristics. Number four, develop creativity and musicianship. Give students projects that promote creativity and individual expression. Also recommends giving specific musical challenges for students to work on together and perform in class. Number five, reflect. Ask thoughtful questions. Researcher Heloisa Ficus invited students to consider the following. What do I want to learn? What skills do I think are the most important? 
what kind of musical knowledge is required so that I become a good musician? Number six, compose freely. Invite your students to create and perform original compositions written for the instrumentation in the class. Provide opportunities for them to rehearse together, share their experiences, and learn from each other. Number seven, compose in a specific style. After comparing Purcell's Dido's Lament and Led Zeppelin's Dazed and Confused, each based on Apasakalia, Randall Alsop asked his grad students in small groups to compose their own laments built on Apasakalia. The purpose of assignments like this is to introduce students to new ways of learning, composing, and interacting musically, Alsop wrote. Number eight, arrange. Invite your students to create arrangements of their favorite popular music pieces. Encourage them to do their own research, be creative problem solvers, and take ownership. Number nine, establish a musical context. Instead of playing John Lennon's Imagine for the class, also began by vamping on the two chords that constitute much of the harmonic structure of the work, C7 and F7. After establishing a musical context through class improvisation, students had greater appreciation for Imagine. Number 10, work together. Collaborative peer learning is at the heart of the informal music learning experience. So create opportunities for students to work together in small groups, play in chamber ensembles with their peers, improvise and compose together, share ideas, and be creative. The key is creating balanced, negotiated spaces that incorporate all four parts of the experiential whole informal, concrete experiences, and formal, abstract conceptualizations, active experimentation, and reflective observation. Here's that list of 10 suggestions once more. Number one, improvise. Number two, listen. Number three, learn from recordings. Number four, develop creativity and musicianship. Number five, reflect. Number six, compose freely. Number seven, compose in a specific style. Number eight, arrange. Number nine, establish a musical context. And number 10, work together. I hope this inspires and encourages you to think about ways that you can carve out some negotiated space in your teaching practice that place between formal and informal learning, where ownership is shared and negotiated by all. What will this look like for you and your students? Thanks so much for listening today. For written notes, related links, and more information on today's topic, visit ashleydanu.com fieldnotes. You can find me on Instagram at ashleydanu. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much if you'd subscribe and leave a review in Apple Podcasts. This will help others discover this content in the future. Plus, I'd love to hear what you like about the show and if there's anything specific you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for tuning in today. See you next time.